Hi everyone, welcome back to Love Essie, the podcast. This is episode 47, and this week I'm talking about Archangel's Prophecy, book 11 in the Guild Hunter series, and ooh boy, if you've read this book before, if you just read this book, then you know why I just said that. You know why I just said that. If you haven't read this book yet, if you're listening to this episode and you're just like, I actually haven't like gotten to this book yet, like, um... How do I put this? I'm going to briefly try my best to do a non-spoiler section first, and then it's going to be spoiler fucking central, and you should just read it. Um, If you've never read any Guild Hunter books, and you're like, could I start with book 11? Well, I mean, kind of, but not really. I say kind of because you get all the information you need to make sense of this book. This book, though, does something that all of the other books in the series haven't really done. It ends on a cliffhanger, like a legitimate cliffhanger. Like you get to the end and you're like, ma'am, ma'am, you, you know, you swipe or, or move to the next page and then you literally go, no, let me sing. How could you end it there? And of course, the only thing is like, because girls, that's where that book ended. And then you, you know, you got to read the next book. And if you were just starting to read the series right now, book 12 is already out. Archangel's War is already out in the universe. So technically, could you start with book 11? If you really, really wanted to? Yes, because you could immediately then go read book 12. Had this been like two years ago, I would have been like, girl, don't even do it. Don't do it to yourself. Because in case you're wondering, I got to the end of Archangel's Prophecy and then had to wait a year to know what happened. It was hard. It's very difficult. It, it was very, 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 very hard. So because Archangel's War is already out, has already been published, that is the only reason why I might say, like, I guess you could start. Because I do think that Nalini v- gives you a lot of information so that even if you're a brand new reader, you aren't completely lost. But I feel like some of... I feel like something would be lost, though. So, I, I mean, obviously, I would recommend you start with the first book, Angel's Blood. But if you're like, Esther, pero I don't want to read a, a 11 books or a 10 books before this one, then, like, fine. Read a few more and then get to this one. Because I do think that the reading experience is so much richer when you have seen the growth, you know, the deepening of the emotions between the characters the um you also then get to as like little things come out or come to light it has a bigger impact because you know where that character started and now where they are now you're just like oh my god i remember a time when it was different um so I, that's that would be my recommendation as uh nalini saying i saw someone say that uh wow i don't think any part of that sense was actually clear or properly enunciated and therefore probably made no sense to no one because it barely made sense to me i saw someone on instagram call herself a nalinian i think it was now i feel like i'm messing that up but it was like you know, sort of like a a name for Nalini Singh fans. And I was like, 
yes, I like it. But then stupidly, I didn't like write it down. So now I'm like, did I see that? Or was I in, what is the word? Crazy. I don't know. So, you know, whatever. Um, not gonna like think about it too hard because I, I don't remember. It's a brain, you know. And especially now. So anyway, this section, which is probably not gonna be very long, is me talking about Archangel's prophecy and trying not to spoil it. <laughs> um which is hard, but I can do it. I can do it. So as we've seen before in this series, our main characters are once again, Raphael and Elena, right? So the first three books were Raphael and Elena. Then we like left them and hung out with other characters and then we came back to them and then we left them and now we're back with them again. And in this book, right? Uh, oh, and if you're like, Esther, I don't know who they are because I haven't read. <laughs> Raphael is the Archangel of North America. Elena Devereaux is a guilt hunter, a consort to Raphael, meaning, you know, his partner, mate, wife, whatever, um, and an angel maid. She is someone who is made into an angel, which is not how angels like, that's not how, within the context of this world, angels don't just get made. They are born from two angel parents. Vampires get made. Vampires are humans that get turned into vampires. And it's not because someone ran around and bit another person and then suddenly they went rabid or whatever. Although, is that the werewolf? Whatever. Um, That's not how this happens in this world. In this world, uh, angel, archangels have a kind of toxin that builds up in their system that has to be purged and that toxin can turn a regular degular mortal human into a vampire um and then of course we've got elena being just like straight up like what being an, a, a mortal a human who's turned into a whole ass angel right an angel with wings um <laughs> So these are our two main characters in this book because we are at book 11, right? And we've had, mm, have we had four or five of the books in the series have them as our main couple, as their main focus, as opposed to other romance novels where sometimes I don't remember someone had said that oft like maybe it was Shelf Love podcast, maybe it was Andrew Martucci on Shelf Love talking about like our romance novels always really about like, love and relationships or the courtship portion right because if we're talking you know not if often like when we're not looking at second chance or whatever like it you know when it's two strange two strangers two characters that don't know each other and then they fall in love often the romance that we're seeing is the two of them falling in love which you know you could classify as the courtship period um and so we're seeing that beginning you know that first flush of love lust whatever the combination do etc 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 in this case um Raphael and elena have now been together a number of years because in within the series we've moved you know through time and so this is a couple now that is sort of grounded in their love for one another this is not a couple that is having to navigate what it means to now be part of a, a you know to now be no longer solo dolo but be part of a pair be part of a unit they have navigated that they have navigated the compromises that come from 
you know, bringing two different worlds together because these are, you know, each individual character has their own sort of, you know, idiosyncrasies, you know, like, you know, we can look at our, you know, real everyday life and be like, you know, when two people get together, you got to meld the friend groups. If you can, you got to, you know, try and meld the families. If you can, you, you have to navigate all of that, right? Navigate, you know, what it's like to do things the way your partner's family does things or vice versa, or like what is deemed acceptable and what is deemed weird and all of that has to sort of be dealt with um and so at this point in the series they've 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 done that they've they're not at that beginning sort of cusp it's like we're in this we've been in this we've been about this you know what i mean like we've been together um this is not like oh my god um like it's been a few weeks it's like girl it's been years we have seen the good the bad the ugly like you know there have been disagreements there have been fight there living and loving has happened so you know that's where we meet them which i think is um is fascinating because i feel like i don't always gravitate to that kind of a story sometimes i'm like oh okay two people together and having you know issues eh um, now, what I think is interesting is that in this book, um, ooh, I'm like, yeah, I mean, they, once again, I feel like the conflict is external. It isn't, uh, the two of us don't trust each other and lie. Nope, it's not, it's none of that. Shit's happening around them. And then they're having to deal and confront it, um, what I think is also really cool about this book is we also see the growth and change and deepening of bonds between characters that they interact with, right? So Elena's bonds with Raphael's seven, which are the seven men that are, you know, sort of his core guard, his core brotherhood. Um, those relationships have changed from what they were when she first met them, right? Which, I mean, has to happen, right? You first meet your friend's significant other and at first you're like, hmm, okay, you know, I don't know, like, is this really the person for you? Or are they good enough for you? And then eventually, you know, y'all get past that or you don't, but whatever, that's a whole other story. Um, but, you know, years down the road now, the relationships are different. Bonds that may have been um non-existent or very very fledgling at the beginning are now a lot more concrete um there is it 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 it's all very you know now it's like these people are more like you know if at the first you weren't like I don't know if they're family to me now they are family you know um and so but we don't just see that with Elena and Raphael seven Elena's own relationships with her actual you know blood relatives has changed has uh because none of none of these things can stay static none of I think um one thing that really to me is very clear about not just a series but the way in which Nalini Singh writes romance relationships whether they be you know um 
intimate romantic relationships or you know familial relationships relationships of friendship relationships of found family none of these things can stay static they have to be growing changing evolving always um because none of us stay static we are always growing changing and evolving (laughs) um or you know in some cases devolving but whatever um and so this this book is sort of like showing us in book form like what does that look like what does it look like to see you know characters who were maybe complete antagonists in book one and now in book 11 you know maybe aren't like bossom buddies you know braiding each other's hair and um swapping you know baseball cards i don't know i don't know where those examples came from they they just did um but there is a difference there is a growth there is a connection there um and also getting to see sort of the nuance of certain characters there um are characters that we've met before that seemed really harsh and awful and just absolute not absolutely irredeemable but you just were like oh i'm never gonna and at this point in book 11 i was like "Ooh, i really i now understand some of the underlying shit that is the reason for why this person is the reason why they are like this and like i mean it still doesn't excuse certain behavior but there is an understanding because it is no longer just the black and the white. There is the gray. The gray is there. The gray is like, hello, I'm here because my name is Nuance and I show up in everyone because no one is black and white because we are complex. Complex people, complex creatures, complex. Um, and so I feel like this book really, really showcases that. Um, and it is really interesting to see you know right like elena's relationship with her father with her baby sister with her half sister you know elena's relationship with all of these characters has changed elena's relationship with her brother-in-law right her her you know baby sister's husband who she was kind of like this motherfucker but by this book it's like i mean he did some dumb shit don't like it but he's also not just a bad person um there's nuance <laughs> the nuance is there um so this all of this you see in this one book the other thing that this book kind of touches on and i'm like oh i don't know if this is spoiling it or not oh well i'm gonna do it in the section if you're like bitch that was a motherfucking spoiler i'm gonna be like bitch i'm so sorry here I am sending you the sorries. Um, so I'm apologizing in advance in case you would deem this a spoiler. I don't completely deem this, like, what am I about to say a spoiler? But in case you do, like, I'm sorry. I feel like this book also deals with, um, sort of the question of, like, what what are the things that you would do or you would focus on if you, if the date of your death or if the concept of you dying was no longer you know a an abstract a a a thing of the future but was rapidly approaching like what how would you navigate life both with your partner your family 
um, at any of the things that you might be working on. Like, what are the things that you would focus on and prioritize if you knew time was running out? And not in the way that we all know that, like, we are all, we've all been born and we know that it, there will come a day when we will die. But when it's like, nah, girl, like, these, death is like here, here, like almost here. Like, she's like, eh, or I mean, actually i don't know i'm like death could be genderless i'm gonna they are here death is like hello i've arrived um i'm giving you sort of like a a a 30-day warning or whatever and you're just like skirt wait what hold up so i'm not just gonna i'm not gonna oh so so not the whole lifespan like this is it and death is like yeah i mean you know does everyone make it to 97 106 and in this world 150,000 650,000 uh you're probably like what yeah there's a mention of like there is one care one like um immortal who hasn't yet gone to sleep and like like he's still awake and like the oldest of the ones that are awake is like 500,000 years old and I'm like oh what okay but anyway that is something that is also touched upon like what what happens when all of a sudden that nebulous sort of idea of dying is no longer nebulous, right? It's no longer a thing that might happen at some point down the road, but it's happening and it's happening now. And then how do you and those who love you respond to that? That is very much touched upon in this book. And I think it's... um. I appreciate that because it is, you're like, Esther, this is a romance. Yeah, it is a romance. But like in in life, right, you know, shit like this happens, you know, where people are planning on getting married and a person that, you know, oh, the groom or the bride or, you know, is, gets sick and is unable to to do what was planned, right? Um, and so in this, we see like, like what, we get to see what that would look like. Um, some of you might be like, oh, I've been there, done that. Mm, don't, didn't like it, don't wanna. Um, but for some of us, it's like, haven't had seen that yet in our lives. And so this book sort of, has all of that now honestly i don't know what else i could say without like really just spoiling it well oh okay i mean so i said you know the whole idea of like what would you do if you you knew exactly how much time you had left but outside of the person that person being like i've only got this much time left you know there's also all of feelings that come around that both for the person whose time is you know sort of pinpointed and for those who love them you know um figuring out how to deal with the anger the anguish the bitterness the rage the sense of helplessness a sense of you know being utterly powerless right we we are go through that journey with these characters um and we see how they navigated how they um 
deal with it. Um, And also the idea of choosing to be present in the present when the future is so uncertain, which um, as we are currently living our day-to-day lives in the midst of so much, right? In the midst of global pandemic, economic uncertainty, civil unrest, it is a question for us as well. How are, how do we stay present and deal, uh, not, no, not deal. How do we stay present and not sort of focus on the future, especially when the future is so, so uncertain, when there, it, there is no real certainty about so many things right? So how do you work through that, navigate through that, deal with that? Like what, what, how? And I think that in some ways this book touches on that. And it's different because it's not, you know, they're not dealing with a global pandemic, but there is an uncertainty of the future because of what is happening in the world. And so, that you know low level anxiety of like but like what is tomorrow gonna look like but what is tomorrow gonna bring but like you know is tomorrow gonna be the day when things pop off a certain sort of way we see all of that in this book which i i you know it was interesting because like obviously when i first read it um we were not in the midst of all of this and so i was like "Mm, whatever and now of course rereading it i'm like oh (laughs) wow um okay i mean i guess um it it can feel a little like ooh um this feels a little close a little a little you know you might be even like is this too too real um and maybe it is maybe it isn't but it is you know a really 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 well well done book so that's why I'm like, hmm. All right, so I'm going to pause here and then come back and it's going to be spoilers. Okay, see you in two. Okay, I'm back. And now it's time for spoilers for Archangel's Prophecy. So again, if spoilers really, you know, hurt you deep in your soul or make you, you know, scream and cry, don't listen to this part. Um, If you don't care about spoilers or better yet, have read the book and so therefore are listening to see what I say about the book, then, you know, continue with me on the journey um, of the book. Um, Also, it's hella, hella windy outside. Um... I mean, at least for, you know, regular standards. So there may be, like, sounds of, like, things, like, you know, kind of loud-ish. And that's just, it's the wind. Anyway, Archangel's Prophecy, Raphael, Elena, and a motherfucking cliffhanger, bitch. This book ended on a cliffhanger. And let me tell you, let me tell you, when I, uh, by the time I got to, yeah, I think by the time I had started reading Guild Hunter, the Guild Hunter series... I think only the first nine books were out. I started reading this series after I had basically like devoured the Side Changeling series. And that was, I want to say, a few years. So I think I've had to wait for the last 
I think book 10, 11, and 12 I had to wait for. I don't think, I think books 1 through 9 had already been published by the time I started reading. So anyway, get, you know, get book 11, all excited, right? I'm just like, yeah, had to wait, la la la, this is awesome. And I get to the end and literally I was like, she can't be serious. This, like, I think I like got to the end and then like, because after, you know, I finished the book, it's like, you know, sneak preview of the next side changing, which was like nice. It was like, oh my God, yes. Um, and it was actually a sneak preview of Silver Silence, which is, I absolutely love that book. Um, so that was like delightful to get that sneak peek. But at the same time, I was like, but you, but how, what am I, a year? I have to wait a year to find out what, what you did? So this is not um a romance for the faint of heart no i'm kidding um because it ends in a cliffhanger right there is a question of like what happens with Raphael and elena and it's like oh dear god and i mean <laughs> then you get the next book and you know things resolve themselves in the way that they do but you do get to the end of this book and have a bazillion questions that are kind of like did this did she really go there? And Nalini sings like, I did. And you came along for the bride and you loved it. So don't want to hear it from y'all, which is true. I mean, I think this book is really, it's really well done. Um, I've actually, this is now the third time reading it because th- for this one, I've actually tracked it properly on Goodreads as opposed to other books where I just like forget to, but like I read it when it came out. Then I read it again last year in preparation for book 12, right? Because I was like, oh, wait, you know, got to refresh, got to refresh myself, refresh the mind. It's been a year. Um, and now reading it again in preparation for book 13, which comes out November 24th, which is soon guys. It's soon that's <laughs> on like uh, a little less than 10 days um as of tomorrow i think it'll be like nine days eight days whatever whenever this comes out whenever this comes out i say that like i don't know what day it is this will be out on november 16th correct um it'll come out so it'll be the following week the tuesday the archangel sun comes out which is you know why i'm doing this whole thing on the podcast rereading the books from the you know the very first one to you know the most recent so this book is a lot i think emotionally this is this for me is one of those like ooh heavy heavy um not you know still still doesn't come close or no still doesn't reach you know the like abject like like breaking apart and you know you know it's still not a blaze of memory like gut-wrenching because that's just I don't even like I don't even I don't know how to describe that I've read it I think at least five or six times and every single time I sob like like it's ridiculous and I know how it ends and I know it has a happy ending because it is happily ever after because it is a romance and yet and yet and yet anyway let me not get sidetracked um Archangel's Prophecy we're with Raphael we're with Elena they are we at this point in the series with us hanging out with them right in this book this is a couple that is deeply in love and is in a place that there isn't questions about that love. This is like 
we are together we face things together we do things together i mean we're still individuals and we have our own friends and we do whatever but we are there is no question that this is it for the two of us and we're in it for the long haul and since they ain't like having a me immortals the long haul could be like motherfucking another hundred thousand years which is like damn right so that all is like whoa and then the book is like oh so like so what would happen if like elena was like dying but like not like in a sort of like abstract way but like no legit homegirl is dying she's dying in front of us and that right there because one of the things that i think this series touches on right angels archangels vampires they're immortals near immortals except we forget that they can still die it is a lot harder to kill them right a human is like one bullet bitch is dead you know vampire you got to do a lot more but it doesn't mean that they are literally immortal and cannot die with the exception of lichuan um it in and even then you know even then questions still questions but like these are people these are characters who we've been told can live a thousand years 1500 years 10,000 years, 25,000 years, 250,000 years, 500,000 years, okay? Like, what? I don't even, what do you say? What would a million years become? Like, would there be a difference? Anyway, that's a whole, whatever. That's that's the ling- longevity, right? That's the length, of, the, the magnitude of how their lives, but... These are still characters that are living regular, regular lives. And things like disease and war and battle and ex- can kill them. It, 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 it can kill them. And so all of a sudden, we are confronted with the reality that Elena may not survive. And not just we, the reader. Raphael is confronted with the fact that this, the one woman who, you know is his you know one you know his ride or die his one you know his his you know reason for being may not live you know centuries with him eons with him and the the figuring out how to deal with that right is such a mortal type of issue and i say that because for example all of us readers who are not in this paranormal world where there are angels and archangels and vampires um we all know that there will come a day when we will die that when we will pass away but we assume that that you know generally speaking if we don't have any brushes with major illnesses we will hopefully make it to, you know, at least 75, 80 plus. You know, if we're real lucky, you know, we'll be kicking around at 105 and talking to people about like what shit was like 100 and, you know, maybe not 105 years ago because you can't be all like, and this is what things were like when I was seven months old because no. But like, you know what I mean? Like, like I think there was, I definitely remember seeing stories, um, you know, right after the election here in the U.S. of, like, voter... There was one woman who had been born, I believe, in 1920, which is when white women get the right to vote. 
she was a black woman so she was alive when black women got the right to vote um for the first time and of course was now voting so you know like that's what we think about as humans that like you know yeah obviously death is you know certain because we were born and so therefore must die but we assume that it's going to be a long 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 time from now and then life is like here's a disease that you didn't expect um and sometimes it's like you know it's not something rare it's you know it's diabetes it's cancer and sometimes it's like rare shit that like you know you and 900 other people on the planet that's made up of 7 billion have this disease and you're looking like so so like like i couldn't have won a regular lottery i had to win this like this is not the lottery i would have chosen and so in this book rafael and elena specifically and those who know around them are having to grapple with the fact that like yeah, we all believed she would live forever, but may, what if she doesn't? And, and in this case, it, there's a prophecy that's like, now nah, girls. The, now the prophecy is like, one has to die for the other to live, but it's also like, it isn't clear who is who and like, what what, what, what are you talking about? Because this is a prophecy from Archangel Cassandra, whoever was like, that bitch is myth. Like, she's been gone so long. Like, it should, we must have made her up. And then it's like, actually, you didn't. Um, Cause she, you know, pop, you know, she pops up for a bit and was like, eh, I'm here, you know, with, you know, my bleeding eye sockets because she is a seer and didn't want to see and thought like, maybe if I like, you know, rip out my eyeballs and then it's like, no girl, cause you see the things in your head has nothing to do with your eyesight, which, you know, fucking, I would also be very like, God damn it, but I don't want to see this. I'm tired of seeing the future. It is not fun. So all of a sudden, and that. I, so let me backtrack a bit. I really appreciate that the extern- that the conflict in this is not that Rafael and Lena have been together and now are having like, you know, trust issues. They're, no, they're, they are solid. You know, she is like, this is what's going on with me. And she knows that she can't like hide it from him because that would break that trust. That would. And he also knows that he can't like do certain things. Like he can't like cage her to keep her safe um even though they don't know what's going on because that also would ruin their relationship that's not that's not what the issue is here the issue is that shit is happening and she's having and they don't know what is going on and they don't know how to fix it and there isn't really anything that they can do and so all of a sudden it's like elena's having to prioritize well what is most important now that i know i have limited time and i'm not exactly sure if i will survive whatever it is is that's coming not to say multiple times she says to to uh rafael we are gonna fight this i don't care that this is a prophecy from some like fucking archangel that like it is so old that everyone thinks she's a myth we're gonna fight this but even you know knowing that is like but i don't know how so let me do what i gotta do to make sure that if you know i must go into the great beyond i do so leaving you know not necessarily affairs in order but specifically leaving her sister safe and so what i think is uh fascinating in this is that Raphael's an archangel right like 
we're talking about the ultimate in power. And yet even then, there isn't anything his power can do. Because at one point, Elena's body becomes too mortal. Meaning, her body stops being immortal. So it does not respond to a mortal power. It is just a mortal body. And then an influx of power would just kill her. Because her body, her mortal body, could not contain that. And so... It, it it then sort of is like you know showing us like like that moment when a person realizes like there isn't anything you can do like you can support this person you can be there but like you know at this moment there other than being there there isn't anything you can do and that's hard because we always want to fix things we want to you know we want action you know but just you know being there is like well but what else can we do? And it's like, that's it, girl. That's that's all you can do. And it's like, no, no, no. There has there has to be more. And if there isn't more, then like, what does that mean? And how to navigate the bitterness of that, right? The the rage and the bitterness of being like, because in Raphael's case, it's like, I have all this power for what? It's useless. It is useless if it cannot save the one person that means the most to me, right? And that is something that's very rooted in, you know, our experience because we don't always get to save that person who means the most to us because death is not, you know, you know, well, I think I want to die. I think I don't. Death is an app is, is the only certain thing, right? <laughs> like you don't know anything else, but you know that, you know, death like that, you know, it's real, real like, oh, grim, but like, we we know that is it'll happen at some point. Again, I mean, I've always said I really would like to be like eighty five plus, um, and asleep in my bed when it happens. You know, that would be ideal for me. Um, whether or not that ends up being what happens, I have no idea because I can't predict the future. I do not have the third eye. I cannot see, and I don't know that I would want to. I mean, on one hand, if I knew the date and time, then I do think that that might, you know, make me prioritize certain things. But then you could also have the argument like, well, why don't you just prioritize and do the things that you know you want or need to do? Because tomorrow could be your last day. Forget tomorrow. Today could be your last day. But that, you know, we... we we could spend hours talking about the topic and I don't want to right now. So we're not going to. Now, Elena's wings, right, um, start to falter and eventually, you know, need to be excised. And, of course, it is November and the trees are all losing their leaves. And as I was out, I went out for a walk today. Um, and one of the things that like as I was walking immediately I was thinking I was like Elena's wings are similar to you know trees in the fall right you sometimes there are days where you can look outside and of course if you do not live in a climate where you have like that massive seasonal shift between summer and fall you might be like I don't really know what you mean but like imagine it in the like google pictures but if you you know live in places where you have that shift you can have a day where a tree is full of like you know leaves that look land they've yellowed or browned or gotten red 
And the day can start out with a tree full of leaves. And by the end of the day, depending on the weather, if it gets really windy, if it gets really wet, the tree is bare. And it, it, it's, it's not something that is um, a prolonged process. It, it tends to be actually very quick. And we see something similar in Elena and the loss of her wings. You know, that last sort of day, she goes out thinking, okay, I've got a pretty full set. It's going to take a while, and yet the cascade is like, oh, girl, that's what you thought. But actually, like a tree, girl, no. They're just going like come off like, like unexpectedly and quickly and just there will be nothing to do because there is nothing to do because this is what is happening. They are falling. The feathers are falling off. They are not going to stay on. You cannot glue them back on. You cannot, you know, stick it. No, they are off, and they will stay off. Because this this iteration of them is dying, will die, is dead, done. No, but I don't, but uh, can I take it? Nope, absolutely not. You cannot change it. You cannot, nope, eepsne. Um, but then at the same time, one of the things that I thought was, you know, trees die, quote unquote, um, every fall. And yet are always, you know, assuming, you know, there is no disease, yada, 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 reborn in the spring. The same trees that we're all seeing become absolutely barren. They are stark, uh, you know, completely devoid of growth, life, anything will eventually bud and have new leaves and have new growth. Um, and so it makes me think of like, you know, shedding of the old to make way for the new right at first she was like maybe i'm molting you know like birds do or whatever which is you know no because i don't know they don't lose all their wings and then you know they don't lose all their feathers <laughs> no but that this idea of losing you know so much of that to make way for something new is fascinating because that's literally what happens. I got to the end of the book and because I already had book 12 fully like it was like two in the morning and started and I was like, well, I'm not going to talk about that yet. But I was like, but I just, I, I just, this, this cliffhanger, like, it, it catches me in the heart and I don't like it. Um, and so that was something that I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I mean, right now, right, as we're all having to live through massive changes at, you know, every level, right, at a local level, at a regional level, at a national level, at an in, you know, global level within our families and, you know, friend groups and whatever, it is, there is so much that is in flux in some ways because the future is really, really nebulous, I think, in a way that we didn't experience before. Like, I, a few years ago, I, you know, would already in my head be planning future trips and whatnot. And at this moment, I, future trips, I, I don't even know what fucking, you know, U.S. American Thanksgiving is going to look like, and that's a week and a half away. I have no idea what Christmas is going to look like, and that's a month and a half away. I don't, you know my birthday girl uh don't know like it is there is so much in flux aka everything that is really hard to think of 
that that point in time and in this book the characters uh specifically Raphael and Elena do battle some of that there is no way of knowing what exactly this prophecy means and there is no way of knowing at, at what point the cascade will ramp up and go wild and, and or ramp down and or and go dormant so this like low level you know anxiety of like we don't know what's coming next we know something is coming but no idea next that reading it of course now during this time period it was like oh okay yeah like um totally see like where y'all are coming from because same same like no i'm not worried that like all of a sudden red roses are gonna fucking bloom in the middle of winter and then you know but i mean climate change is crazy so we don't know we do not know it could happen um and that would still be very much like i'm sorry it's january what are they doing what is happening and so this is a very um i mean if you're like i really don't want to read about anything that in any way shape or form resembles what is happening right now i don't know that this is the right i don't know that i would i might be like that don't read this book maybe at least right now because it it's not obviously like directly the you know but there are similarities to like that i feel that i'm like "Eh." you might get that like oh i see i see the parallels or i see the what i could Mm -hmm." the other thing that this book also i think really does i really did enjoy when we first start the series elena's father i was like so how quickly do we get to kill Jeffrey Devereaux? Because this motherfucker, I no, don't like him. What the fuck? Book 11. Um, I still don't like the man, but I am. We have been shown the complexity and the nuance. This is a man whose mother, who was hunter born and a guild hunter like Elena, was murdered in front of him by vampires. Uh, believe he mentions that her head was literally popped off her neck um his wife and two oldest daughters were but well no his two all three were butchered or attacked by the vampire the daughters died the mother marguerite wasn't able to handle that trauma and took her own life so this is a man who has been marked by brutal loss and like so much loss and so jeffrey is i think it's in this book that Raphael kind of mentions or states that like he you know losing elena will create will turn him into you know a monster you know unseen kind of thing and it's this idea that like losing those very important people can turn a person into less than what they were and into a being that is just filled with despair anger and rage and what i think is also very like oh my god we have moments in this book where we're starting to see that not we're starting to see jeffrey you know is still Elena's father and still 
even in the midst of his anger and rage at everything and at the fact that his daughter does things that do not keep her safe, that expose her to danger, that expose her to death like his mother, you know, you know, there's a moment where, um, they are, he grabs the jacket for his youngest daughter, Eve, who is also, um, hunter born and will be training to be a hunter. And he grabs a coat and then he gives Elena a scarf and it's his scarf. And it's like that. And you might be like, oh, okay, but like, motherfucker's been an asshole this whole time. And then he gives her a scarf. But that moment of reaching out, even though there is so much that cannot be forgiven, right? And so it's weird, not weird, but it's like, oh my God, is it possible that there may be a new dawn or a new corner to this, you know, not a new corner, um, a change in this father-daughter relationship, but then it's like homegirl is dying. What? What? It's like, girl, what? But also like seeing Beth, her younger sister, you know, come into her own, especially now that she has a daughter, um, her, you know, the relationship that she has with her grandparents, it's like all of these bonds have deepened, have grown, right? Which of course means that Elena dying or everyone is even that much more heart-wrenching, that much more, you know, horrifying, I guess, right? Because if Elena had been killed by a vampire before she met Raphael, before she ever found her grandparents, obviously it would be terrible but it's way more devastating now elena mentioned something like you know losing Raphael now would destroy her in a way that she couldn't have ever fathomed before him because she'd never allowed herself to trust and bond and love someone at the level that she does with him and it also mentioned that these both of these characters have been so alone and finally found each other so it's like and and now that's a that's in jeopardy these two people who you know are finally together this is in jeopardy it's like (gasps) but why how oh um, and so this, this, like I said, this ends in a cliffhanger. And luckily, book 12 is out. So you don't have to like wait a year like I did. Oh, which is so difficult. So, so difficult. But it is, I think, um, at the same time, I do think it's a book for now. Because I, you know, I re- as I was reading this book, of course, I spent way too much time on Twitter. And just, you know things are not looking good right now things are looking you know anywhere from dire bleak grim horrifying you know people are talking about how you know co-workers are going to weddings and you know possibly testing positive uh, or people are saying that they did everything that they could and you know because we're at this like I was going to say crossroads, but I don't think it's a crossroads. I think it's that we are in a moment and time where 
the decisions that should have been made months ago weren't. And so now we are dealing with the consequences of that inaction um, as, you know, and yes, some of it is like, you know, oh, personal, personal, you know, personal, whatever. Um, but it isn't just it's it's bigger than that. And it's so, so difficult to be dealing with that because it's sort of never ending. And so it, I get that sometimes it's like, well, I want to read romance that has nothing to do with anything that could remotely touch on that because it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I get it completely. Again, I'm also, you know, absolutely batshit for anything and all things that Lee is saying. So, of course, I'm like, oh, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, but I think seeing, you know, these characters dealing with what they're dealing with, you know, helps to remind me to be, you know, focus on the here on the now on on fighting to do what is best and you know not just for me but for others and I don't know I really I really enjoyed this book again um even though I was like and it's just such a a ride right now the sort of secondary story right is that Elena is out here trying to figure out who was going after her brother-in-law and it turns out that like a former you know the former slayer for the guild you know stages his own death so he can then go after the people who he blames for his daughter's death um and that also was something that i thought was in like because the daughter, right, Lucy, made choices. They were shitty choices. They were terrible choices. And they were choices that ended up in her dying. But these were choices that she made. And yet for her father, in his grief, he is unable to see that his child made these choices of her own volition. And instead, his grief propels him to avenge her even though technically speaking this wasn't something done to her this was something she chose now there are things that like clearly like she is used by these vampires and it's it is really shitty and awful these are really shitty and awful people regardless um but understanding, like, the thing that happens, though, is that Archer f- immediately is like, no, this wasn't her. This was others, right? Blaming others for what she herself did to herself. You know, the damage that she caused herself is why she passes, but he is unable to accept that. And so we see, you know, his, tr- you know, whole sort of arc um and i'm like yeah that's that's there are people who are like that who will blame everyone but the person who made the decisions the choices that led to those consequences Ooh, that wind got real real nasty 
all of a sudden and it seemed to like die down so i was like oh okay maybe it's like and then all of a sudden i was like you thought i went away but i'm back i'm back to maybe blow the trees down i hope not because that just makes a lot of a mess and um no one wants that but yeah it and yet seeing so then seeing that like that that story line right Elena is so focused on making sure that Beth and Maggie are safe, right? Because the one thing she does not want is for Maggie, right? Who is now, um, Maggie as her niece, right? Has a mother and an aunt whose lives were destroyed by, you know, horrific trauma. Who had a mother who's like, you know, grew up in a foster system because her parents were taken from her and her, you know, also trauma so there's you know on both sides of the family uh at least for elena and beth there's been you know a lot of trauma and so everyone beth elena jeffrey it's like what they want is for maggie to grow up in a world where she doesn't have to experience this firsthand and so that is elena's focus you know getting rid of the threat so that you know maggie doesn't walk in on her sibling or you know her parents being murdered or anything like that um at least not from this enemy we cannot predict the future but not from this specific enemy um and so i thought it was really interesting that you know this is but it makes sense you know if your days are dumbered and you have your younger sibling you want to do everything that you can to leave them in the best possible position so that if when you are no longer there to protect them they are still safe like it makes sense to me um and i really liked seeing that um play out um i really like it was it it's such an elena thing to do right it's so so true to who she is as a character um and i was just kind of like oh my god oh my god oh my god like i hope that you know like and also seeing like harrison who when we first meet harrison as a character and he's you know we don't really interact with this man pretty much ever but all we knew was like it was beth's husband who went and got made as a vampire because he didn't wait to make sure that beth would also you know get made and then it turns out beth can't get made because the toxins gonna make her cracker and it was like oh this like selfish son of a bitch and then it turns out like yeah he's flawed but he's still a good husband loves his wife loves his daughter and has to live with the fact that he's going to outlive them right he's going to outlive his daughter he's going to outlive his wife he's going to have to bury them right i mean partially that's his own fault because he didn't have to go and become a vampire without you know making sure that that was something that beth could do too but again we get to the complexities i know answers because motherfuckers is flawed um and that i don't know i really really you know seeing that the family bonds the you know what are you gonna do if you know your days is numbered if you know that your days is numbered but also in the case of elena specifically she's just kind of like 
but just because the prophecy said that this is how this was going to happen who says that's how it has to happen like maybe the prophecy is wrong which is fascinating right because an immortal another angel another archangel another vampire would have just been like the prophecy says and therefore the prophecy is and elena the you know mortal hearted angels all like but who said (laughs) and they're like but the archangel said and like but but what if they but, but who says we can't change that which is a very sort of, I think, human response of like, but who says that we can't change this? Who says that we can't change the trajectory of this based on like, just because they say it's written, you know, this and this is what's going to happen. How do we know? Because we don't know because nothing is set in stone, right? Um, so yeah, very, very good book. Um, Archangel's War book 12 is next. That'll be next week's book. So that episode comes out Monday, November 23rd. And then Tuesday, November 24th will be um, (laughs) Archangel's Son, which is Titus and the Hummingbird. And I fucking can't wait. I cannot, cannot wait. All right, I'm going to pause here and then I'm going to come back and briefly talk about something on auction that y'all should check out uh because it's it has some amazing amazing shit okay so last thing i wanted to talk about so um again if you have i don't know watched the news um the united states had you know the elections on november 3rd Biden was declared president and then you know things get like a little bit interesting so for um the so the state of Georgia is having runoff elections uh I believe those are happening um in January uh actually let me find out let me you know uh and so because uh there is um a runoff election so the runoff elections um are being held because there wasn't a candidate who won the required of majority a required majority of votes so the runoff dates for the 2020 general election are december 1st are the state and local races and january 5th are the red are the federal races and the voter registration for that deadline is december 7th right and so the reason for this is, uh, I believe it's a Senate seat that is up for um, the runoff. Um, and so, of course, everyone's like, oh, my God, like, how do we do that? Like, what do we do to get people uh, prepared and ready for that? Since that's a very big deal, because if they can, fl- if the Democrats can flip the Senate, we can then don't have to, like, wait for mitch mcconnell to do stuff which mitch mcconnell's like do things that i like other than like help myself and my people i don't think so um so there is so of course romance landia decided to create a fundraiser called romancing the runoff and it's to support the different voting organizations in georgia uh the the three that they're support supporting are fair fight black voters matter and the new georgia project so they have been asking people for donations and had i believe as of 
Friday evening um, reached $80,000 in just donations. Like, this is just people donating money, moolah. Um, they had reached, a like, an absolutely wonderful, like, high amount. Um, and so, but there's also an actual auction. And the auction opens November 18th. So I'm going to put a link to their website as well as a link to the um, website for the auction, which is uh, 32. I don't know what this means. It's a three, a two, a heart, and then it says auctions. I don't know if it's 32 love auctions, whatever. Anyway, I'm going to put links to all of that in the show notes. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning the auction, you might be like, oh, well, like, you know, if they've already had, you know, 80, 80K, like, I mean, they're still, you know, I'm not entirely sure how the money that we donate works, but I believe that it helps, to, you know, um, because it is that money that is used to then create, like, targeted ads on social media, um, in, um, you know, television media, print media, etc., now, the other really, really cool thing is that there are 765 items up for auction. 765 items, okay? Not five, not 20, not 102, but 765 items. The auction starts November 18th, 2020 at 12 p.m. Eastern, okay? So, the auction begins november 18th that would be a wednesday wednesday november 18th 2020 at 12 p.m eastern and you're probably like okay esther so like exactly why are you telling us this because there are some amazing amazing things up for auction and you know if if you've got the coin the money the moolah the credit right now you might want to sign up for, you know, your little account and then, you know, favorite the things you like and then prepare yourself. Now, you might be like, what are what are some of the cool things? Um, so one of the featured things, there is an autographed copy of The Duke and I with the Netflix cover. Uh, and if you're like the Netflix cover, yes, Julia Quinn's The Duke and I is being turned into uh at least book one is being turned into a netflix series and that comes out on netflix december 25th but you can bid on an autographed copy that is signed by both julia quinn and the television stars of this um so oh and it's a shondaland netflix uh thing so you're gonna have autographs from phoebe Dynavore, Dynavore, I can't say her last name, Reg Jean Page, Reg Jean Page, who are the two on the cover, as well as Julia Quinn, right? That is one of the items that you can bid on. You're like, well, okay, cool. What else? What else? Um, guys, you, there are, there are so many, so many cool things. There's a virtual tea with Tessa Dare and Courtney Milan. And it includes real tea and the pound cake from the Duke who did it. So you'll get to do a virtual tea, which means so they're going to send you 
um, a guy wants some tea and some black sesame pound cakes from the Duke who didn't. You can make them, you know, gluten-free, dairy-free, or sugar-free as you prefer ahead of the Zoom call where you will get to sit down and talk to Courtney Milan and Tessa Dare about whatever you want. Okay? Whatever you want. Are Do you understand? Do, you understand. There are, you know fuck the racist buttons there are amazon gift cards there are there is a annotated copy of trashed by mia hopkins that is also autographed plus a hundred dollar gift card uh the love sweet arrow there's a 25 dollar gift card to the love sweet arrow which with that 25 dollar gift card you could get one of their small surprise boxes and just like be surprised um because those are awesome. There is a one-hour Skype se- session with Kate Rocha. So you can talk to Brie and Donna about whatever you want. Whatever you want. Do you know what that means? If you're, it, it, it even says in the description, if you're a writer, you can ask for advice or ideas. They'll brainstorm or with you or answer questions. Um, if you're a reader, you can get spoilers. You can talk about books, books they've read, television, whatever you want to talk about with them like what if you're okay you're you you may be listening to me and you're like esther um i'm a writer and you know is there anything for me okay there are chapter critiques page critiques manuscript critiques like sarah mclean doing a critique of 100 pages you know what i mean uh like what Jennifer Rush is doing a 10,000 word critique as well as a, qu- a critique of your query and synopsis if it's available. There are, you know, you can get, I mean, there are 18 signed books by Katie Roos. So you can get 18 books and all of them signed. Um, there are wonderful, 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 there's a 2021 planner starter kit. If you've been like, I really want to do, and this planner starter kit actually looks really cool. I favorited it. So maybe you shouldn't, but I'm like, why am I telling you about this? You can't anywhere. I'm telling you, but there's a copy. Um, so this is, uh, being offered by planner nerd, author, and YouTuber, Katie Dunbeck, Dunbeck, and, You've got an ebook of her 2018 Christmas romance novella, Grievances and Glitter, written as Kelly Mayer. You also get a 2021 monthly, weekly, uh, 7x9 day designer planner, a 15-pack of midliner highlighters, a 4-pack of Sharpie S gel pens, a selection of washi from her collection, and a selection of stickers from her collection. You can get a 25-page critique from Zoraida Cordova, like, hello? Um, she is like incredible, right? And she recently, her I think her most recent is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, A Crash of Fate. So hello. You can get like their signed books. There's, oh, there was like a shawl. There were several shawls. There were sev- several quilts. Um, like I said, signed books, some book series. You can do... Um, someone's doing romance candle romance novel themed candles uh like there are so many many things that you could end up winning you just have to 
you know, sorry, bid. And you can do that starting on November 18th. There is an audit of your social media platforms. So if you're an author who's new or you're in between releases, uh, you can get an audit and like figure out like what are the things that you need to do to like create a bomb ass social media presence, right? Angelina M. Lopez uh, is getting giving you two getting you signed copies of her first two books in the Filthy Rich series, right? Lush Money and Hey Crush, uh, as well as a bottle of Gantz Family Vineyard Chardonnay, a bottle of Costa Brown. A Russian River Valley, Russian River Valley, that was Valley, but I read it as Valley because I'm a loser. Anyway, a Russian River Valley, Pinot Noir, two Gantz Family Vineyard coffee cups, and a signed copy of the final in the series, Serving Sin, which isn't even out yet. You Well, you get it when it comes out, but the, you know, you there are so many, so many options. There is an annotated edition of When No One Is Watching by Alyssa Cole. She will send you a one-of-a-kind annotated edition. Okay, like, that is incredible, right? There is an annotated copy of Deal With The Devil. <sighs> I really want that, but ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. There are puzzles up for grabs, like... There are so many, like I said, 765 items. So check it out. Like I said, it's all going to be in the, the links are going to be in the show notes. It's really, the money goes towards, you know, I don't know, maintaining democracy. And you get some fantastic shit in return. Along with, you know, like feeling good about helping. Um, Because sometimes especially right now, it can be so easy, easy to feel completely powerless. And this is a way to have some, some form of action. Um, especially, you know, if you don't live in Georgia, and obviously cannot vote, because um, we can't all just show up and be like, we're now Georgia uh, residents. I'll be like, girl, no, you're not. Um, I'm gonna need you to turn around and leave. There's a copy of Sabrina Soul's Delicious Temptation, right? It's an autographed copy that you get. And she's also going to sec- send you a box of pan dulce, which are Mexican sweetbreads to enjoy as you read. So you get a book and you get fucking t- treats. Like, excuse me? Um, I now want pan dulce. Damn it. Um, so there, uh, yeah, I just, I could go on, but there's too many items. And then we would be here even longer. And that's kind of crazy. So definitely check that out um next week as i'm sure you have figured out because i feel like i said it already but i'll say it again i'm going to be doing archangel's war because the day after the podcast comes out the next book archangel's son will be out and available i will probably get no sleep that night and that's okay i'm okay with that i i've accepted that that's what's gonna happen and i'm pleased um so yeah guys Thank you so much for listening. Oh, shit. This is a gratitude. Um, Three things that I'm grateful for this week. Okay, so um, I did a thing. I did a boo-boo. It's not a boo-boo. I ordered. I was able to get my hands on some Ivy Park and it showed up and I am over the moon. I'm fucking over the moon. Um, 
because I, I, you know, didn't know if I could get my hands on any. And I did. And I, I psh, yo, anyway, over it. Like, just like, so, so fucking please. Second thing I am really, really uh, grateful for this a week. Um, I was able to uh, see two friends in person and we, you know, did uh socially distant outside you know a little get together um and it was really nice um because uh you know with the way things are going we'll probably have to you know put on pause any in-person um meetups through the winter um so it was it was really nice to be able to hang out with friends you, you know yes we had to wear masks but like honestly i don't see the issue like i've gotten really used to wearing masks and now i think ew we used to go outside without masks and like breathe on each other disgusting like that just seems so barbaric to me now um but it was really nice uh to be able uh to do that um and the third thing that i'm um absolutely grateful for so it's probably you're probably gonna be like really esther but i was able to go grocery shopping um i was able to make it all the way to trader joe's and get a lot of groceries, um, and, and by a lot, like, you know, nothing insane, but enough that I could carry, that'll hopefully, like, keep me in stock for the next, like, two weeks, because I really am trying to not, like, you know, pre, pre all this, I usually went grocery shopping once a week, because, you know, I'm one person, and I'm not trying to, like, have food go bad, or whatever, and I also ate out a lot, but now, of course, that's not what happens, so, but it was, I felt grateful that I had the resources and the time and the ability to go because I could, you know, not be physically able to go or not have the funds or just not have, you know, the accessibility. And I'm lucky and I know that I'm lucky that I was able to do that and, you know, treat myself to like hot chocolate mix and you know like because i got real groceries but then i also got stuff that i'm like you don't need it but like you're gonna want a snacky boo here and there so like treat yourself because i'm not going outside (laughs) to get snacks girl um so it was it was really like it felt really good to be able to provide for myself um in a in a as safe a manner as I could um so that you know I, at least I know that I don't need to go grocery shopping again soon um but yeah um I think that oh actually there's one more thing because I'm a weirdo Michael's was having a sale on some of the happy planner stickers and so I was able to get stickers that like the 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 planner book thingy would it was normally nineteen ninety nine for $5.97. So yeah, I was that also was low. Yes. Uh okay, but that's it. That's that's all I got for y'all. I realized I've talked a lot this week. My bad. Or not. I I don't know. It was fun. I enjoyed it. Okay guys. I will see you not really, but you know what I mean. Next week. Bye.